and we are back, everybody. Episode 14. That sounds right. Yeah, we're going to go with it. If I'm wrong, I'm just going to look really stupid. Episode 14 of The Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley. Uh, fun weekend. The Tigers are back. We're going to go over their first spring training game. All that kind of fun stuff. People that stood out. Competitions in camp, etc., etc. Fun first game back. Talk about the highlights and the lowlights. Uh, the Pistons dropped two this weekend. One to the Sacramento Kings and one to the New York Knickerbockers. Then the Red Wings split with the Blackhawks. One on Saturday. Got absolutely obliterated on Sunday. So, we are going to go over those games. Um, then, the Detroit Lions, the big talk on Lions Twitter was Trey Lance. Everybody was arguing about Trey Lance. It was the big thing. Everybody talking about I think there was an article that a, a publication wrote, and that's kind of what sparked it. But uh, everybody's talking about Trey Lance. Do we want Trey Lance at seven? Do we want Trey Lance if we trade down? Do we want Trey Lance at all? Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. So, that is what we will be talking about today. This is the Bentley Show. Again, I am your host, Scott Bentley. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get right into it. The Detroit Tigers are back. The Detroit Baseball Tigers are back. Spring training started Sunday, played a game against the Philadelphia Phillies, and won 10-2 in a seven-inning game. We put up 10 runs in a seven-inning game and uh, there's this rule in spring um, where if, if a game gets, if an inning gets too out of hand after like the 20 pitch mark, I'm pretty sure after you pitch 20 pitches, uh, if the inning's out of hand and you don't want to like burn any of your bullpen, you can just go out and say like, hey, like we're getting obliterated. We call mercy on this inning. Let's end it. And the inning just ends. And that happened in the first inning. We had six runs and the bases loaded with one out. And the Phillies were like, Joe Girardi was like, now nah, we're ending the inning. So we won 10-2, to two and it probably, uh, there's a good chance that, that it could have been even more than that. So an absolute just obliteration of the Philadelphia Phillies in the first game of the season. Quite a bit to talk about. I know it's the first game of spring, and people are always like, oh, don't overreact, first game of spring, ha, ha, ha. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, we're not going to get accustomed to scoring 10 runs and, and walking nine times. I, I completely understand that. But as far as individual performances, that's where you look. You don't look at score. Don't care about win losses in spring. You're just going to stress yourself out for no reason. But individual performances, that's the whole point because there are some important positional battles and dudes trying to make roster spots. So it's important to, to watch those. So the first one, the biggest one that I took away from yesterday was Alex Lang. For those who don't know Alex Lane or are not familiar with him yet, or if yesterday was your first time hearing about him, he is a pitcher, uh, obviously, for the Detroit Tigers. He was acquired as a prospect in the Nick Castellanos Cubs trade. So when we traded Castellanos to the Cubs at the trade deadline in 2019, um, that was who we got in return. Uh, the Cubs, he was he was 23, I want to say, when we acquired him. He's 25 now. 25 years old, hasn't made his Major League debut. So, a little on the older side as far as a prospect goes. Uh, he's had a roller coaster of a professional career. He was a former first-round pick that was 
uh, thought to be pretty highly regarded. Decent velocity. Everybody always talked about how good his slider was. Um, as he came up, it really just didn't pan out. The whole starting pitcher thing uh, really struggled at the professional level to go deep into games. Uh, just isn't going to be a starter at the major league level. And I think him and the Tigers organization, and likely the Cubs at the time, had probably come to terms with that, which is why the trade was made. However, yesterday was, and also to all the people that are just mad for no reason about us playing like seven inning games and we're playing a five inning game, I'm pretty sure Tuesday, like calm down. Jeez, we don't, everybody's getting so mad about everything these days. My goodness, like you have to remember half of these dudes haven't played a professional game in literally two years. No minor league season last year. This, this is two years removed for some of these kids um, from playing like professional competitive baseball. So you can't, you know, especially for the pitcher's sake, you got to ease them back into it kind of thing. And it's only going to last like a week. Like we're back to nine inning games. They said by March 8th is when the Tigers plan on getting back to nine. So like everybody calm down. Um, so mad about everything, I swear. So. Uh, Alex Lang appeared um, in the sixth inning. I want to say the sixth inning, either the fifth or the sixth, uh, for yesterday's game against the Phillies. He did have a scoreless frame. Uh, however, he had almost a 30-pitch inning. So, uh, very, rep- very good representation of his professional career, honestly. Just uh, kind of a roller coaster of emotions. Um so, why am I talking about him at length? Uh, I Now, just throwing it out there, there is technic, there is not technically, there is no film. There, the game was not televised. The only film we have is like cell phone video from like, you know, the upper bowl from a beat writer. Like, that's all we have. So, uh, it, I, I, don't ha- I, don't, I didn't see it with my own eyes, but I can go based on what beat writers reported that were there and what Dan Dickerson was talking about and Kobe Stevenhagen on the radio. Um, the fastball reportedly got up to 98 um, and sat for most of the inning around 96, which is great. That's great velo for a reliever. Great. Love it. Perfect. I'm fine with that. Um, and the biggest takeaway was – how much everyone drooled over the slider. Apparently the slider was just unbelievable and and you had to see it to believe it. Everybody kept talking about the the entire broadcast. Cody and and, uh, Dan Dickerson were just talking about the slider every time he threw it. And then in all the post-first game articles written by by writers and beat writers and stuff, they all talked about it as well. So the slide piece is apparently something to look out for. Uh, Apparently it bites a lot. And with a with velo that that can get to the upper nineties on the fastball, you got to imagine that slider's coming in d- decently hot too, which is probably why it's biting and looking the way it does. So that's awesome, beautiful. Um, the problem is command. He gave up no hits and no runs, but walked two people. Which honestly, I could care less about. Uh, I, I'm okay. That that's a lie. I, I obviously you need to have command. You need to have some sort of control. Uh, I'm not trying to say that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. However, he fits right in, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I, this team is full 
of young arms that have great stuff and no command. That's pretty much our entire MO. Like, Spencer Turnbull's at the very tippy top of that list. Nasty stuff. Zero command. <coughs> Excuse me. Spencer Turnbull, very top. If you follow me on Twitter, you're aware of my campaign that he's going to be a top 20 pitcher in baseball this year because he is just even remotely good command away from being a guaranteed quality start every time he takes the bump. Okay? So, we have Spencer Turnbull on that list. Matt Boyd is is on that list. Like, I, I mean, the sli- it's a good slider. It's a wipeout pitch. The first half of 2019 proved that. His is also has to do with some pitch mix stuff and, and what pitches he's throwing at, at what percentages and what rate and stuff. So, maybe to a lesser extent, Matt Boyd. But Spencer Turnbull's at the very top of that list. Casey Mize is right behind him. That's another dude with absolutely nasty stuff and just had no command last year. Um, that's partially a command. Uh, partially a command. That's partially a mechanics issue for Mize as well. Um, that's some uh, – look, I, we've talked about Mize. I don't want to get too much into it. We've talked about him a lot, and we will definitely talk about him again. But he, he's going to – that's something he's got to figure out. Un- undeniably, his, his mechanics is something that he has to work on and has to figure out. So, he's up there. Uh, Scooble settled in really nicely, but that's another, like, young, nasty stuff. Could probably be a little bit better on the command at times. Um, that, that's, that's, like, Gregory Soto, if you go to the bullpen, is the same way. Absolutely electric stuff, but but really has no idea where it's going half the time, like, I mean, that's, that just fits right in. So I, I really, again, I, I don't want to get too carried away over one appearance in which he had a 30-pitch inning, but um, Alex Lang's on my radar for sure of people that, uh, according to Cody, Cody Stavenhagen of The Athletic, he's probably my favorite um, beat writer for the Tigers. Um, he, According to him, he and when he lays out the bullpen, he says that there's probably two bullpen spots just up for grabs based on who does well in spring. For again, way too early to say. We haven't even seen you know 60% of the bullpen, 70% of the bullpen yet this spring. But Lang is on my radar as someone that I I want to see more of and would be very intrigued if he made the team. That's that's a again sound by all accounts sounds like electric stuff. Just needs to work on the command and um. The command thing is something, you know, and, and with Fetter coming in, no more pitch to contact Rick Anderson's. Jeez. Can't believe we legit just employed the worst pitching coach in baseball for like three years. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, with Fetter now, I feel a lot more confident in our ability to work on those things and improve on those things, whereas before I, I was not. So, Super excited to see where he can take us. That's definitely one of the biggest stories of the spring, uh, or of the first game of the spring, I should say. Um, the other big one was backup catcher. Backup catcher uh, situation is is a wild one. It's a wild one. So Wilson Ramos is definitely the opening day starting catcher. C C one. Okay, Wilson Ramos, obviously. 
Then you have four guys, count them, four, all competing for the backup catcher position, which makes a pretty electric spring, if we're being completely honest. Like, that, you know, that, that kind of competition makes watching games a lot more fun because anytime any of those four dudes does anything, you're like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Oh, damn. Uh, so we have Garneau, Griner, Rogers, and Eric Haas all competing for the backup catcher spot. Um, yesterday, Eric Haas homered. Garneau had a nice uh, RBI single. It's going to be electric. It's going to be electric. Uh, Ramos is starting um, the game against the Yankees on Monday, which has not happened yet in my world. So uh, we'll see how, how he does. Obviously, he's the starter no matter what, but um, he's definitely not playing the full game. So we'll see who comes in off the pine. Actually, I think Ramos is DHing and Rodgers is starting at catcher. I'm pretty sure that's actually what's happening. So we get to see the first look of Rodgers. Um, and then maybe, I don't know if a grinder or something's going to, he's definitely not playing the whole game. So we'll see who replaces him and, and the looks that they get. It, it makes for an electric camp, man. Uh, competition. What, when you're competitive within your own clubhouse, when you're, when you're having competitions for your own team, that breeds competition against other teams. It's so important to have that kind of, that kind of competition in camp. Um, so I am incredibly excited to watch that develop I think it's a, a blast I think it's super fun to keep a track on. especially like I said if it was two guys fighting for one spot that'd be one thing when you have four dudes literally all trying to get one spot that that's electric like there's no way you're ever I don't care if it's backup catcher which is what it is I I don't care man I, that's that's electric to me um I am super excited to see that and um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Like I said, Haas homered last night, or yesterday, I should say. Um, and Garneau also had an RBI, RBI single, I believe, in the first inning. So, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Riley Green also had his first at-bat of the spring. Uh, apparently, he did not look good. And that, again, it's one at-bat. He struck out on four pitches. Like, this is not a, a big deal. I'm not relaying this to you to say, oh, he's a bust. Oh, he's going to suck. I'm, he's just obviously one of the most noteworthy people on the team. So we have to talk about what he did. 0 for 1 with a 4-pitch K. And I guess the one he swung on was way out of the zone and, and not a very good swing. But he's starting, getting the first start. Uh, he's starting against the Yankees, against Garrett Cole. <laughs> um, and Monday's game. So that'll be super fun to keep an eye on and keep track of. Um... Let's see. Oh, Jamer Candelario had an incredible game. I think he's my my player of the game for game one. Two for two with a walk, a double, RBI, just great game. Uh, if he can pick up where he left off in 2020, obviously that's a huge deal. Um, just also, uh, you know, I understand. I want to keep reiterating this. It is game one of spring. Like we got a lot to go. Um, take it with a grain of salt, but it's definitely something, like I said, individual performances, fun to keep an eye on, but we faced Ivan Nova and they walked nine Tigers in seven innings. That's unfathomably horrible. So don't expect too many outbursts like that. Uh, I think that's it for the, the big names in the recap yesterday. Pitching wise, 
Uh, Tyler Alexander got a start. He didn't look particularly great, or his stat line didn't show uh, that he was particularly great, I should say, because I, I admittedly did not see him. Um, Derek Holland had a good inning. We already talked about Lang. So, yeah, just, you know, gave up two runs in, in seven innings. Not a bad bad outing there by the bullpen. Um, oh, Ian Kroll pitched, which is a trip for those who, like, haven't followed the Tigers during the rebuild. You remember Ian Kroll from the 2014 and 15 teams. Um, then he left, went, kind of hopped around to different organ the Braves for a little bit, hopped around from team to team, just a lefty bullpen arm, and then didn't get signed for the 2020 season. I'm pretty sure he hasn't pitched a major league game since 2018. Uh, and in 2020, he was pitching independently baseball. So there's a trip for you. Ian Kroll's back. Um, but he had a one, two, three inning. So good for him. Um, I think that's it for the Tigs. I think that's about it. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool that we actually get to watch them play. They'll be televised, um, against the Yankees Monday. So, uh, by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably already have seen my my Twitter frenzy and, and report and stuff. I might do a post-game video for it because I actually get to watch it. I didn't want to do it for a game I couldn't actually see on Sunday, but if we can watch them, I might uh, I might break out the old the old car video and, and give it a recap or something. Um, or I'll go on uh, 2021 World Series Champs Instagram page and go on an, a live stream there. People love to ask me questions on there, so we'll figure it out. But it'll be fun to actually see the the pitchers specifically, but it'll be fun to actually see the at-bats and all that. Uh, watching baseball again. Best feeling in the world. Super pumped. Baseball finally back on my television. All right. Let's go on to the Detroit Basketball Pistons. We're going to go in chronological order here. Also, I'm still really salty that Jeremy Grant's not an all-star. I know we talked about it in the last one, but I'm probably going to continue to just be salty about it because I'm stingy. Um, it really pisses me off, man. I know we suck and, and whatever, but come on. What a joke. All right. Uh, the Sacramento Kings game was uh, – it was a trip. It was a trip. <laughs> was a trip. Um, we're down 10 at the end of the first quarter. We almost give up 40 points. Then we outscore them each of the second and third quarter in our winning going into the fourth and then lose by, by three. Um, so some interesting developments, we'll call them this game. First off, Josh Jackson, I've said it a billion times, he continues to try to shoot early. If the shot's not falling, drive to the dish, get his points that way. I'm all for it. I keep saying it. I'll say it again. I'm all for that mindset and that strategy. Uh, I think he's improving immensely, and I would like to see him back in the starting lineup here um, before the All-Star break, or at least before the trade deadline. Um, Isaiah Stewart, six points, 11 boards, two assists, three of three from the field, got a block in there, looked really good, looked really good. Um, I think this was a game where – he, as far as the the pick and roll and the the picks that he was setting low in the paint and stuff, I feel like he had a really good a, a really 
good grasp of what he wanted to do. He, he had a more of a game plan this game than he ever did. I think he's so high energy that a lot of times he just goes out there and just is just trying to ball, which like I love. And it, for a raw rookie like that, it, that's so nice to see. But I think a sign of growth is really what we saw in Friday's game against the Kings and just how how much he he really did look like he had a plan. He was going to execute that plan. And you were going to pay for him following that plan. He looked really, really good. I was very, very happy. 21 minutes looked really solid. Saban Lee continues to look solid. 21 minutes for him as well. Eight points, four boards, four of nine from the field. Um Saban Lee continues to be one of the coolest stories of this team. Uh, the the fourth rookie in, in, in that we got in this draft, and everybody talked about the three first rounders, but he uh, he was definitely one of the you know the the I don't want to say afterthought because like he was in the introductory presser and all that, but like he got asked the least amount of questions. You know what I mean? Like in in that presser, like he was the second round pick. And he's really proven to people why why we got him. And that's awesome, man. A second-round pick turning into anything is is amazing at the NBA level. Nonetheless, a guy that's been producing at, at the length that he has or the, at the extent that he has. So that's absolutely awesome. Um, I think that's it for bench players. Yes, yeah, so let's go into the starting lineup. Uh, we're going to save the biggest story for last. Jeremy Grant got back on track. He's really kind of struggled the last, like, week and a half, so it was nice to see him drop a little 30-piece there. 7 of 17 from the field. 14 free throws. Getting to the dish in a very high clip. Looked really good. Uh, Sadiq Bey continues to impress, man. 17-6-2, and 6 of 10 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, and looked great on the defensive end. Looked really, really good defensively, which I'm super happy about. I think that's – if he – man – the floor is so high for him. The floor is so high for him. Gosh, this team gets me excited, man. I, I'm really excited for the future of Pistons basketball. Mason Plumley, whatever, who cares? Six, nine, and six. Ha ha. Um, Wayne Ellington was pretty much irrelevant. He was pretty much a ghost out there. Three points, one of four from the field, and a non-factor on defense per usual. Pretty much irrelevant. And you'll see that he, uh, he's he been irrelevant kind of for a while when it comes to st like production. So you'll actually see that he gets benched uh, for Sunday's game against the New York Knicks. Now, did that really help us? No, but we'll get into that later. Uh, then the story of the game. Undoubtedly, un undubitably, the story of the game is... Dennis Smith Jr., 17 points, 6 assists, 7 of 13 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3. He gave a little a little mellow, like, 3 thing uh, against his head. And then, obviously, he had the big, the big boy jam. The big boy jam. Um, the thing with Dennis Smith Jr., he's looked good for, like, 2 or 3 games in a row now, is... The, the Pistons have been a, a spot for the last year, honestly, this season and last season, are slowly turning into a spot where people go, work on their development, improve a ton, raise their value. Sadly, 
usually ends in them leaving, a la Christian Wood. However, it's been a, a nice turnaround place. Josh Jackson, Dennis Smith Jr. Jeremy Grant wasn't really a turnaround, but still taking a huge step forward. Christian Wood, obviously. Um, even for an extent there, I know this is, this is maybe, you know, didn't really have too much of a career after he left us, but Eric Moreland, like Eric Moreland was Christian Wood before Christian Wood. You know what I mean? Like Eric Moreland was, was Andre Drummond, um, getting, uh, hurt for a little bit, but also just needing a backup. Eric Moreland came in. Um, was kind of a double-double machine, like off the bench even, like was getting 10 and 10 in like 20 minutes. Uh, Eric Moreland was, was Christian Wood before Christian Wood was Christian Wood, if that made any sense, which it didn't. You get what I'm saying. Um, and again, he didn't really blossom into like the big contract and starter on another team that, that Wood did, but, um, you know, went and, and got a backup role in, I want to say Portland after us. I don't remember. Not important. Anyway. This is turning into a, a location where people can come and develop their game and really improve, and that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, these projects for rebuilding teams and these improvements for young players like that to come in and, and show their worth and work on their craft is so vital to have, not only in the league, but to, to ha be able to be that team is awesome. That's awesome. That That's, that's so cool. And um, that's just one of the... One of the many reasons that I am super, super pumped for this rebuild and super excited for the future of this team. That that having that in your back pocket of being like, hey, if we get a young stud, like people turn their careers around here. That that's so nice to be able to hang your hat on, along with four rookies and another twenty year old in Seku, you know, five dudes under the age of twenty one. Um that along with uh, that kind of development uh, style, not style, that development precedent, that's not even the right word. What am I trying to say? The, the developmental gift. It's not a gift. People work really hard. I don't know. I don't know. You get what I'm saying, though. Ha having that young of a team along with the, the development that we have is so, so awesome and it should make everyone so excited for the future of this team. So, that'll do it for the Kings. Uh, we'll probably spend a lot less time on Sunday's game against the New York Knickerbockers. Um, just not a very good game. <laughs> it was really ugly, and it, we were only down five points after the first quarter, but it was one of those games where everybody was just like, yeah, we're only down five, but like this is an ugly game freaking game you know what I mean like this is this is not this is not a, a very visually pleasing game we'll call it um and the second quarter was more of a representation of that as well and and the whole game I mean that that was just not a, a very good basketball game for the Detroit basketball Pistons there um okay so nobody shot well which is which is a problem. You're you're gonna be pressed to find too many games in which in which you win when nobody shoots well. The problem is, uh the only person that did shoot well was Wayne Ellington, who got benched. Um he ended up still playing twenty minutes, you know, it's not like he was he was benched and just didn't play, but um 
15 points off the bench, four of six from three, three of three from the free throw line. Josh Jackson, 12 points, one of six shooting, but had 10 free throws. Uh, <laughs> just, I mean, Sadiq Bay, three of 12, two of eight from three. Dennis Smith Jr., three of 11, one of four from three. Uh, Svee, who started and only played 20 minutes because, yeah, 0 of 3 from the field. Jeremy Grant, 7 of 19, but only 2 of 9 from 3. Saban Lee shot 3 of 5 at 9 and 4. I mean, like, I don't just want to read stats to you, but, like, that was – it was not – I'm trying to articulate how, how poor of a shooting performance this was uh, because it really – was not ideal um the silver lining is that i think the defense actually looked respectable now end of the fourth quarter game's kind of over sure uh, didn't look exceptional but i thought in the first half specifically that the defense was actually a, a pretty damn respectable product um i, I think that Sadiq bay Played really good defense there in the first half. Um, I think that Dennis Smith Jr. played really good D, which is an important thing for him, being that his offense has kind of shown to come and go at the current moment. Um, I think that him playing a, a good defense is super important. This is this is just a, a, a we're not a very good team game. Like, it really is. I, I mean, I know it's the Knicks. Ha-ha, you lost to the Knicks, whatever. Like, the Pistons are still very much not a good basketball team. So, just one of those games. We, we literally scored 90 points. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure um, what <laughs> extent of analysis we can give here. Um, as far as the the... Tankathon, we're still the second worst team in the NBA. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves are still at the bottom. They are seven and twenty-eight. We are nine and twenty-five. Um, 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 the Rockets are eleven and twenty-one, and then you have a lot of teams that have thirteen wins. So that's the bottom three there. We are still uh, comfortably in second. Not really on the uh, knocking on the door of of worst team, but also not really close to giving up the second spot to the third worst team either. So we're pretty comfortably made a nice little home for ourselves there in the second spot. Um, so yeah, th this is just, that was a really ugly game. That was a really ugly game. The offense looked horrible. The, nobody shot. Well, the, the passing was terrible. There were quite a few turnovers. Um, the only silver lining is that we did not look we did not look horrible on the defensive end for three quarters. I guess I'll put it that way. Maybe like two and a half quarters. We didn't look terrible defensively. There were some things, good things to take away from that game. And hopefully this little, little, little blah, 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 blah. This lit a fire under Wayne Ellington. And uh, we can get back to, you know, quality production. I want a second round pick for you at the deadline, Wayne Ellington. That's one of the biggest stories to watch as well. All right, that'll do it for the Stones. Let's take a look at the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. We will start with Saturday's game against the Chicago Blackhawks. 5-3 uh, win 
for the wings. Uh, also, we're not going to go over like the the tankathon thing for the wings because there are so hockey. There are so many teams that like we have like six games on some teams below us. You know what I mean? Like we there are so many teams that just haven't played uh, the same amount of games as us, and we really haven't missed any games or a significant amount of games due to COVID. Whereas there are some other teams like the Stars and whatnot that have missed like literally seven games or whatever. So uh, that's really pointless to even look at right now until some of those game some of those teams make up their uh, their games. But we'll take a look at this weekend's slate. Two a series against the Blackhawks. We finally beat the Blackhawks, which I'm just ecstatic about. Five goals again, which if you remember. We put up a five-piece on, I want to say it was Thursday's game, right? Against uh, Rene and the Preds. Um, put up a five-piece there. Gagne had the hat trick. And then now we put up another five, ten goals in two games for the Red Wings. That was the first, the, the, the Preds game was the first time we had scored five goals in a game since December of 2019. And we did it in back-to-back nights. Just an absolutely electric game. Uh, nobody scored more than, than one goal, five, five goals, evenly distributed, sharing the sugar, spreading the love. Helm had a goal, actually a really nice kind of like, like one time for the one time Franz Nielsen had a goal. I don't even care. Whatever. Bobby Ryan had a nice goal, raising that trade value, that stock, that trade stock, uh, Spechnikov with a great goal. He looked really good. We'll talk about him in a second. And the juice is loose for another goal for Christian Juice. Bernier also with the win on that game. Uh, and again, all, if you want more in-depth, I go way more in-depth on Lockdown Red Wings um, with me, Ethan, and Nolan Bianchi. So go check out that podcast um, if you want an in-depth, full breakdown of the entire game. Uh, that one's it, – it's like 30 to 40 minutes um, of just Red Wings talk instead of, you know, a 15-minute segment on, on this. So if you're looking for more in-depth, go check that out. But the one fascinating thing that, that Nolan's brought up over there that I, I love reiterating is just that this is a team that you expect to lose every night. You expect them to lose. And you should. That, that's, not a, that's not a, oh, you're an idiot. You should expect this team to lose every single night. They are bad, and yet Bernier is now six and three. That's unbelievably impressive. Unbelievably impressive. He continues to play very, very good tendy there between the pipes. Just a, a, a testament and and beyond impressive, beyond impressive. Um, as far as the game itself. Uh, obvious, I mean, we put up a five piece, you know what I mean? Like, like the offense looked pretty solid. Uh, the shots on goal were pretty even the face off percentage. We continue to win. And most importantly, the Detroit Red Wings, the streak is over. The streak is over. The Detroit Red Wings scored on a power play. I'm going to get emotional. The 0 for 40 streak ended. We scored 
on a power play. Let's have a moment of silence for the 0 for 40 streak that was. Unbelievable. You will not be missed. You'll kind of be missed. It was actually kind of dope. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so, that was obviously the biggest story of that game, ending the streak, getting another five-piece, back-to-back games. Just an all-around very fun evening, riding a high going into Sunday. And, um, oh my gosh, did this just happen while I was on air? <laughs> no way. J.J. Watt just signed with the Arizona Cardinals while I was recording this podcast. Unbelievable. Okay. Um, Wow. That's crazy. Okay, we'll talk about that when we talk about the Lions. All right. So, um, 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 the Detroit Lions are Lions. The Detroit Red Wings are now no longer the worst power play percentage in the NHL. Now, it's crazy because we ended the streak, right? We end the streak. We go one for one on the power play. We win. Great game. Then we go into Sunday's game. Okay. We go into Sunday's game, and we're like, all right, this is super cool. And then we score on another power play. Now, just a testament to how bad we're – our last two power plays were two for two after an 0 for 40 streak. Now, the crazy thing about this is that – wow, so that's J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about football. That's crazy that this broke while I was recording. Um, okay. Red Wings focus. Yes. Uh, we were so bad on the power play that even with scoring in our last two power plays, two in a row, we still have the second worst power play in the NHL. And if the season ended today, we, we would, we would have a worse power play percentage than the worst power play percentage in the history of hockey. Now we, it wouldn't be the worst of all time because Minnesota is also having a historically bad power play, 7.94% at the time of recording. We are at 8.82. Anaheim is 10.42. All three of us, historically horrible power play percentages. Um, So that's more of just a testament to that. Uh, But, you know, kind of uh, interesting. The streak is broken when we score two in a row now. The rest of the game was really ugly. Uh, and again, I'll say this for a millionth time. Go over to Lockdown Red Wings if you want a full breakdown of the game. Uh, but the rest of this game was uh, really ugly. Now, I tweeted before the game, infamously, I tweeted, I would be okay losing this game 7-1 to one if it meant or not if it meant, as long as Patrick Kane did not get his 400th career goal against us. Um, we lost 7-2, to two and he did anyways. So, probably worst case scenario. Um, I'll be here all week. I can give out tomorrow's lotto numbers or whatever, you know, for people. I'm, I'm the oracle, is what people call me. Um, 
but it was just a really, really not good game. It, honestly, it was a, it was the third period was obviously where it all fell apart. We were actually uh, at the end of two. It was two to one Chicago, and then we scored in the third. So, not in that order, but um, you know, it it was it was uh, we were down two to one going into the third and ended with two goals and still lost by five. So figure that one out. Uh, just an absolute train wreck uh, of a third period. Five goal third for Thomas Grice. He did not look very good today. You can't give him too much heat because this defense is atrocious, but just not a very good performance whatsoever at all, at all, at all. Um, the takeaways from this game are, again, the defense is absolutely terrible. Uh, Gagne's goal was, was whatever. Svechnikov scores again. Svechnikov is, is one of these guys. He's quickly turning into, to, uh, Giovanni Smith type where I want him in the lineup every night because he, he's young and, and he's looked really good. Uh, so naturally that means he'll be in Grand Rapids by the end of the week because that's just what we do apparently. Um, but for now, for the time being. Awesome to see him play as well as he's been playing. The only other thing to keep an eye on um, is obviously Bobby Ryan. Continue to look at him as he raises or lowers his trade value. Um, then, for some reason, people think that it's going to be possible to trade Mark Stahl. I'll believe it when I see it, but that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and then Luke Lendenning is one that is important to keep your eye on because if you're a rebuilding team and you have a guy like Glenn Denning, a center that, that is leading the entire NHL in face-off win percentage, that's a big deal. So that's another guy that we absolutely could and probably should move at the deadline. Um, so that is the, the weekend that was just an absolute disgustingly gross, horrible performance on Sunday, uh, but a fantastic performance <laughs> on uh, Saturday. Uh, the only other thing I guess we can talk about on Sunday is uh, Mantha did not look very good. He looked kind of invisible. Franz Nielsen was almost solely responsible for one of the goals. He continues to be absolutely atrocious. Now, the one thing I will give, we should all give the benefit of the doubt for, is we had a ton of people out on Sunday's game. We had a lot of people out Saturday too, but we had a ton out Sunday. Fabry out, Larkin out, Tuzi out. Um, just a absolute half of, the, of our top six out is obviously a, a huge. This team's bad when, when we're completely healthy. We're arguably the worst team in the NHL. So having half of our top two lines out is uh, definitely not a, a recipe for, for success. Um, so definitely something... 7-2 to is obviously terrible, but this is a rebuilding team, and we had a lot of people out anyway. Um, let's just take it for what it is. You know what I mean? All right, I really wanted to get into football here, so let's talk about the Detroit Football Lions. But first, we're going to talk about this J.J. Watt news um, because he, this literally just broke while I was recording. This just broke right now. They just decided, he just decided. He was like, hey, this is my thing. Um, okay, so it's two years, 
31 million with 23 million guaranteed. That's a lot of money. Um, but it's JJ Watt. If he can stay healthy, he's probably worth it. Um, so that again, as I said earlier, that makes two now former, um, Texans on that team. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, JJ Watt and D hop will be now be playing together. Um, this is wild. This is wild. Like, not only, obviously, just a player of that magnitude moving in general is obviously a huge deal. But, th- I mean, <laughs> in his tweet that, that uh, where he said, you know, I'm playing for the Cardinals, it said, source me. Which is kind of a power move, honestly. Um, that, that, wow. Wow, the Arizona Cardinals. You... The Cardinals, that's how you do a rebuild right, man. That's that, And it's crazy because they did a rebuild right while kind of messing up one of their first-round picks. Like, this is, a, this is a team that, let's not forget, took Josh Rosen with one of their top what, – what did he go, seven? One of their top ten picks. And then a year later, took Kyler at 1-1. Kyler's rookie year, learning curves, whatever, still looks solid, took some steps forward. Kyler's second year, he gets Hopkins, takes another big step forward. Now he's going to have a defense that that has J.J. Watt on it, still have D-Hop. Another year of development. That's how you do a rebuild right, man. And that's a hell of a division, too. That's a hell of a division. That, That ain't a division to play around with. You gotta be on, on your on your A game, A game, if you wanna if you wanna make it to the top of that division. Wow. JJ Watt goes from Texas to Arizona. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right. That's that's crazy. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm like digesting that still. Like as it, you know. <laughs> That's that literally happened while I was recording, so I'm still just digesting that whole thing. Um, wow. JJ Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. That's gonna be a fun team, man. That's gonna be a really fun team. They're like a a, a slightly better running back away from from really being a damn good football team. They could probably use a little bit more defense, actually, more than they could a running back. Duke Johnson was low-key kind of solid this year. Or, yeah. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. I don't remember who the running back was. That's on me. I'm pretty sure I nailed it, but maybe not. Regardless. That team's heading in the right direction. If you want a, a, a poster child for how to do a rebuild correctly, you can look at that. Um just man what a team man that that's fun that's fun good good for jj too good for him still getting paid knowing his worth going to a fun competitive team um finally gets to you know it, it i feel like it's kind of ridiculous for me as a lions fan to say that anybody's escaping from another team because lord knows it feels like everybody that leaves here is is 
escaping. <laughs> but still, the Texans are, uh, are widely known as a very incompetent franchise. Good for him for going to a competitive team that has a, a bright future, too. So, at, at, you know, if he stays there after the two years or if he starts to decline, like, that, it's not going to have so much pressure on him. He, he's going to be on a good, solid team. So good for him. That's fun. Good for J.J. Watt. Congratulations. Um, as far as rebuilds and how to do them correctly or incorrectly, look at that transition. Bang, bang. Um, the Detroit Lions, the talk of the town has been Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance has been, for whatever reason, I, I think it's because some some publication, some Lions website publication thing wrote an article about Trey Lance and then it became the talk of 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 Lions Twitter for the weekend. So um here is what well we don't know anything, obviously. Here's what um the the general questions being asked on Twitter was the general debates, okay? The general debates were um well, for starters, um, do we take him at seven, right? Seven is, is, is he, there's a chance that he's like the fourth QB taken. Um, so do we take the fourth QB of the draft at seven? And do we take a dude that did not go to a, uh, FBS 1A school at seven overall. Okay. Um, so the, we can debate, we can go to the debate of like, um, of like, okay, do we take a quarterback period at seven? That's a debate for a different story, for a different story, for a different later on. We'll get into that debate because that's, that's going to come up very prevalently when we get closer to draft season, right? Um, there are people that think that Goff, he's going to be your starting quarterback for the next two to four years anyway. Why do you have to rush and take a QB now? Uh, let's focus on the defense. There are people that, that side with that. Then there's people that think Goff isn't the quarterback of the future. If you think that this is the best quarterback of the next couple of years uh, that's going to come out of the draft if you're looking ahead, then pull Trig now. Um and then there's people um, who kind of sit in the middle uh, and are like, hey, if this specific QB is there, you take him. And if not, then you don't take a QB at seven. You focus on defense. So that's we can debate a brick wall with that all day. We'll get into that when we get closer to, to draft day. Um, but the, the big thing with Lance – is value-wise, does it make sense? If, if he's your guy, okay, let's just pretend. Magical fairy universe, let's just pretend that Trey Lance is the guy, okay? He's the guy. He's there at seven. Odds are really good he's going to be there at seven. Now, do you take him at seven? Or do you trade back? And then becomes the debate how comfortable how much further back are you comfortable trading and if you trade back if that person going to then take Trey Lance um Mel Kuyper we talked about his mock um 
last episode on Friday. Uh, he has us trading back and then taking Parsons, uh, linebacker from Penn State. So, uh, definitely a lot of different philosophies going on here. Trey Lance is – here's the thing. There's really no – like, Parsons is kind of consensus, but there's no, like, clear cut, like, this has got to be the first defender off the board. You know what I mean? So, like, if you want to focus on defense, taking one at seven – Seems kind of unnecessary. If you want defense, I think Kuiper's probably on to the right track there where it probably makes more sense to just trade back. That being said, if your other option is taking the fourth QB in the draft at seven over, like, I don't know, man. There, there's a lot of different directions to go. Um, and then if you trade back, I don't know, man. There's a lot of different ways to go. Trey Lance specifically, though, obviously put up um, very good numbers at North Dakota State. Um, I'm pretty sure he had, like, no picks his sophomore year. He had, like, literally no interceptions. Um, definitely a dual threat. He, I'm pretty sure his, his full sophomore season, he ran for 1,000 and almost threw for 2,000. Or almost threw for 3,000, rather. I'm pretty sure. He threw for like 2,700 and rushed for 1,100 or something ridiculous. He he obliterated the league. Like, he he literally d obliterated the the FCS or, or D2 technically. Whatever the hell North Dakota State technically is. Absolutely just obliterated everybody. You know, didn't lose a single game his collegiate career. Just destroyed kids um so from a pure number standpoint sure the big question is always do people that don't play d1a football translate and we saw it in the the golf wentz draft right we saw it with carson wentz obviously um whatever your opinion of carson wentz is uh he translated pretty well you know what I mean like not a world beater not a superstar by any means um probably not worth that that top two in the draft debate that was going on for weeks leading up to that however starting NFL quarterback can't can't you know fault too terribly much it, the he wasn't a complete flop just because he didn't play 1a so it, it's interesting man it's it's a hell of a debate I'm not sure I personally am just not sold on the idea of taking the fourth quarterback at, at seven. You know what I mean? Like, man, just something about that seems weird to me. And maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm just an idiot and you're and you're calling me a dumbass as you're listening to this. But like I just that I'm a big value person when it comes to the draft. I'm a really that's why I don't like when we take a running back in the second round every freaking year. I'm a big value person. Like, I, I, I was fine with the Okuda pick, just not at three. Like, I, I'm really big on value and getting the most bang for your buck at a, at, on every pick. And I don't think the fourth-ranked quarterback in the draft at the seventh overall pick is, is great value. Currently, I don't. And we still have a lot of time until the draft. There's still a lot of stuff that needs to be to be worked out and, and all more mocks and everything, and we'll talk about it at length as we get closer. But as it stands right now on March 1st, 
2021. I'm just not, I'm not really at a point where I can be super all in gung ho on, on the, the fourth quarterback in the draft, taking him at seven. Maybe we trade back. Maybe we just go defense. Maybe we trade back and take defense. I don't know. There's a, we're at a really weird spot there, but it's definitely an interesting conversation and one that Lions Twitter was, was all over about. I have now Trey Lance, the player. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying that he's that I think he's gonna be terrible or something. I, I really like, I really like Lance. Um, and, and I think that he, with the right development, could be good. And and maybe it makes sense. You know what I mean? Maybe a, a couple of bridge years for a guy that that didn't play D one A like a couple of bridge seasons to kind of get the NFL under his belt. And then he takes over once we get rid of golf. There's definitely an argument for that. And fit wise, it that's definitely uh, uh, something that could make sense. But um, I think I'd, I'd probably still need more convincing to make that pick at seven. I'd, I'd probably need some more convincing, but maybe we trade back. Who knows? All right. I think that'll do it for the lions, which means that'll do it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. As always, the support continues to be unreal. You guys are fantastic. Keep reaching out to me. I love hearing feedback and love hearing like, hey, you know, listen to the podcast. It's great. That's awesome. Um, it always reminds me and, and re-motivates me and, and reminds me of why I want to keep doing this. And it's just a nice little, nice little inspiration. So thank you so much for listening. Game two of the Tigers today, if you're listening on Monday. Uh, I'm pretty sure we play like pretty much every day. So, and then we'll do split squads so that more people can play and stuff. A lot, a lot of fun week, fun week for baseball. Uh, obviously the other two teams will, will play this week as well. We got, we got three sports. We got three games being played and then more Lions draft talk. So thank you so much for listening. This has been the Bentley show and Scott Bentley. Peace and love going to therapies. Go dope. Blah, blah, blah. Let's try that again. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. There we go. Um, That's all I got, baby. Go Detroit Sports. Peace.